mouth. I'm, I'm talking about the mic. And my husband, Michael. We've been married for 40 years. Awesome. Woo! December of 40 years. That's great. A little bit closer to your mouth okay. with the mic. We're somewhat new to Grace. So this past December, we celebrated our 40-year anniversary with awesome. the cruise. But where was I? I want to go back a little bit. There's a lot of things happening to me right now. Some call them miraculous. Some say I've been touched. I would agree with all of them. <laughs> but what I would say is that God is doing a thing. Yeah. And he's continuing to do this thing. In my life, since November, has been transformed. So I'll give you a little backstory. Mm -hmm. In 1997, I developed lung disease. I was very, very sick. So I struggled for a lot of years. And in 2015, well, I will say this. Between 2000 and 2015, I spent admitted to Portland hospitals anywhere between seven and nine times a year. That's a lot of, of admissions. Wow. Anywhere from 24 hours to a week at a time. And that's a lot of medicine. A lot of steroids, a lot of IVs. I was pretty sick. In 2015, my husband received an answer to a 10-year prayer. God moved him from Portland, Oregon to Little Goose Dam, off of the Yaquina Dredge to the dam in, in Portland. So off we go. We didn't know anything about Walla Walla, never lived here, never been here. But God said go, so we came. And in 2015, my lung measurements were 33%. So I had reached stage, stage four COPD. But in 2019, my lung volume measured 25%. So we had begun kind of discussions about possibly a, a lung transplant. And in 2020, Michael and I got this great idea to purchase e-bikes. My exercise was very limited. I couldn't walk even to the post office box, or not post office, but my mailbox, my chicken coop. I was living on oxygen or oxygenators. And I have a house one, I have the portable one, and that was what was getting me around. I, I could swim, I could do water aerobics, but I was limited. So in 2020, we got this great idea to buy e-bikes. They're fantastic until after 16 miles, your e-bike malfunctions and drives you into a tree head on, rips out your shoulder and crushes it into a bazillion pieces. So I had to have a whole shoulder replacement and spent 17 weeks in a recliner. It set my lungs so far back and my life so far back and I was so disappointed in my decision to get that e-bike. It was supposed to set me forward but it didn't set me forward, it sent me back. So we were disappointed, I was angry. I kind of pouted, kind of pitied, but I was more discouraged and disappointed. And Michael, we were planning on a cruise in uh, last year, this past November, and I kind of like, you know, 
I could barely get out of a chair, barely move around my house. So I was like, yeah, I don't even know I could do this. And got, Michael said, no, we're going. But when I saw that ship in front of me, 1,000 feet long plus, I didn't know what I was going to do. I couldn't walk that thing. I couldn't even walk to the chicken coop. Couldn't even feed my chickens. How could I walk the length of that ship? So I just had this feeling Michael was going to have to push me around in a wheelchair. But you know what? That didn't happen. I got on that ship, and the first day was super painful. My body hurt. My chest struggled. But I had all my equipment, but didn't, didn't open it up, didn't use it. The next day, I got up, started bebopping around that ship. And the next day, I'm sitting in the saltwater pool, and I'm realizing, I have air. I have air. I have air. We spent seven nights, eight days on that ship. My husband couldn't keep up with me. I was running all over that ship. I didn't have to open up my medical equipment once. And then God began to talk to me. And he said, Monique, you settled. And I was like, what? I settled? He's like, yes, you settled. And that's where the problem was. I had settled in my disappointment. I had come to the point where like, okay, the doctor said this is the end. All my test results said this is the end. So I just need to get comfortable and live the remainder of my life as the end. But God's like, nope, you've settled. I had this little cloud over my head. It's like, you know, sometimes you get this cloud. It's not a rainstorm or big storm, but this was like a slow drizzle. And I just, I, I had stayed angry and disappointed in myself and, and the setback and the choices we made for the e-bikes. But God's like, no, I brought you here to talk to you. Took you here to Mexico to talk to you. You've settled. I have come to give you life. You're not going to settle. You're going to get up. You're going to go. You're going to move. In me, you have life. I was like, oh, well, this is cool. And I continued to bebop all over that ship. And, you know, I, I was beyond ecstatic. I almost ran off that ship. And I have not used medical equipment since, but it doesn't end there. So we come back. A couple days later, I end up with COVID. COVID with someone with stage four lung disease is very dangerous. Didn't affect my lungs at all. <laughs> then I ended up with the flu, like a week later, stomach flu. That would normally set me in the hospital. Didn't affect my lungs at all. Then I went to the doctor, because he called up and he said, you know, Monique, I need you to uh, come in, do a diabetes check, and then what I want you to do is do a blood test first. Go into the doctor. He is ecstatic. My results are normal. The kidney, what was leading into, I, I was Thank you, that, God. I was leading into stage three, well, I had stage three kidney issues, normal. My liver function, normal. The only thing that was high was my sugar levels. He didn't even care about that. He said, you're doing so great. You're doing so great that you don't, I'm not even concerned about this. Just keep up the good work. I said, but it's not my work. God's doing this. And then, you know, I've come to realize I am living an untethered life. I am not tied to a machine. I'm not tied to tubes. I'm not tied to anything but God. 
And I went out on a, a date with my husband yesterday. We spent all day in the grand soaking at the little pools or ponds or hot tubs. No equipment. My first date with my husband for a whole day without equipment in I can't tell you how many years. So I'm living, God has released me to live an abundant life in him, untethered. And that's my testimony. Amen. Amen. Stay here for just a minute. Yeah, I remember uh, Mike, Mike, Michael came to uh, the men's breakfast, and he was just talking about how well his wife got around during the cruise and everything. I, um, I feel like when you hear a testimony, it, it prophesies something. And I, 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 I'm going to ask you to just pray and just say, God, what you've given me, I release to others. And, but let me talk about it for just a second. Um, it may be physical. You may have physically settled into some place and said, well, I guess that's the way it is. I guess I'm going to have to live like that. Or it may be more emotional and mental. Yeah, okay. What he did in Mexico. Okay, that's the one question I forgot to ask you. What what are the what are the was the key scripture for you? So the big thing is well, uh, you uh, had my, started my, speaking about the transforming of the mind before we went to Mexico. God was speaking to me about the transforming of the mind, and I was doing all the things of capturing my thoughts, the good, the bad, the otherwise, anything that came out of Monique. Um, but what he did in Mexico, it was a mind thing. He re, I don't want to say redirected my thoughts. He renewed your mind. He renewed my mind. He absolutely renewed my mind. He refreshed and renewed my mind. I was so kind of locked into this kind of angry disappointment mode of myself. Uh, and that's what he, he was saying. You've settled here. And I had been praying, Lord, okay, what is obstacling me from a healing? Yeah. And I even, I even briefly talked to Mickey about that. Yeah. And, you know, then God showed me. Uh, can I give the scriptures that God gave me? Uh, really? Yes, go ahead. I'll just read them really quick. Yes, I will. I will. Sorry. Unless you start stealing my scriptures. <laughs> People have been doing that lately. Well, I'll just give a brief part of the scripture. So first one's Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed. The next, ones was, next one was Romans 11.36, and this was really important. From him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. In other words, it's all on God when he chooses, where he chooses, how he chooses, and what he chooses for your life. And so that was real important for me. Yeah. Because it's not about Monique. It's about God. Yeah, that's right. And then Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. And his plan for me was for me to go out and have a hope. And that's another thing. He released me to go out and have a future and a hope, not in heaven, but on this earth before I get to heaven. And he showed me that. And then the last one was Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things. Yeah. Those were my scriptures. Okay. Just say, God, what you've done in me. I release it to the people that are here, but also the people that might be tuning in or that will watch this later. Heavenly Father, thank you for releasing me, for giving me the freedom, Father, yeah. to, 
walk in, in a closer step with you. Whoever is struggling, whoever is settling, Father, I ask that you release them. Release whatever they are tethered to, whatever they are bound to. Free them and give them the freedom that I am experiencing yep. right now. Because I know Christ in you, we can do all things. That's right. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Monique. Amen. Isn't that powerful? What a powerful testimony. God Thank bless you. you. Praise God. I just checked my battery level. I've only got seven hours and 23 minutes on this. So I'm going to have to go fast. <laughs> I'm going to put this in my pocket before my daughter comes up and spanks me. Genesis chapter 13, please. I'm going to read this. These are, uh, <clears throat> you might call them tweets. Tweets. I ran into one of the scariest books I have ever seen in my life. It's a Disney book for kids. It's, it's a Winnie the Pooh cookbook. It's called Cooking with Pooh. The other day I played frisbee golf or, or golf frisbee or whatever you call flinging a nine iron into the woods. Good friends are like fine wine. That's why I keep mine locked in the cellar. <laughs> Whenever I want to be left alone, I go to the mall and hold a clipboard. Hamsters <clears throat> are like cigarettes. Perfectly harmless until you stick one in your mouth and light it on fire. <laughs> Some people don't understand my humor. Some people have me on prayer lists, I think. <clears throat> I feel like God is stirring up a word in me that he actually started stirring in me maybe six or seven years ago. It was back in January 2015, and I was innocently reading my Bible one January. I was reading in the book of Genesis like I do every January, and, and God began to speak to me from what I was reading. It was not unfamiliar, an unfamiliar passage, but it was like it just lifted off the page. And as I was reading through Genesis this January, the same thing began to happen. And, and, and it, it, it just spoke to me right where I was at. And, and I believe right where we are at as a church. I, I just want to read four verses of scripture, and, and then I want to talk about them. Genesis chapter 13. So have you been, been able to get the picture of the hamster in your mouth out of your mind? <laughs> Genesis 13, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, 
after Lot had separated from him. Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Now, again, that's a pretty familiar passage. I've probably preached out of it many times through my life. But I just want to look at it verse by verse this morning and just take some time to allow it to speak to us. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. Now notice that God didn't speak to Abram until Lot separated from him. I don't fully understand this, but sometimes, now this is in your notes, there are separations that take place in the kingdom, separations in relationships that take place that actually position us for God to speak to us, for God to bring a living word to us. Like I said, I don't fully understand this. I just know it's true. So after Lot had separated from Abram, God said to him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward. God wanted him to see the land that he had promised him, the land that he was giving him, that he would have to lift up his eyes from the place where he was. He would, stop, he would have to stop looking at where he was to be able to see where God wanted to take him and what God wanted to show him. We must lift up our eyes from the place where we are. We must stop looking at our current circumstances so that we can see what God wants to show us. To receive his vision. To see what he wants us to move into. We must stop being captivated by our current circumstance. Whatever captivates us, what it becomes our focus. And, and see, that begins to shape what's inside of us. It becomes our internal reality. Stop letting your current circumstance shape you on the inside. So that your internal reality is the present. Instead, lift up your eyes from the place where you are. Now, I know that can be difficult to do when things have been the same for a while. Sometimes it's hard to see beyond the present. I feel like the last few years have done something to the church at large. And it hasn't just affected the church. It's affected a lot of people. We have been kind of living in survival mode. Just trying to get by. We've been living on the defensive instead of the offensive. And there's a a really big difference. And you, as a child of God, are called 
to be light in the midst of darkness. Do you know that darkness has no defense towards light? Do you know that light is always on the offensive? It's, it's never on the defensive. Light will permeate. Light will go into a dark room and, and take it over. And all the darkness flees. In Mark chapter 5 <clears throat> is the story of a woman with an issue or flow of blood. She had been bleeding 12 years. She had gone to physicians to try to get well. She had spent all that she had trying to get better and only got worse. You know, it's easy in a situation like that to let your experience become your internal reality. You know, I, I, I've, I've always been poor or, or I've always been sick or, or I've been a failure for years. I've been bleeding for 12 years. It's not going to change. It's only getting worse. But she heard about Jesus. Jesus is a game changer. Jesus is your game changer. He will change everything. You know, I, I appreciated Monique's testimony today. Because I think we can all relate to seasons in our lives where we just settle. We just settle and, and think, well, you know, I guess this is the way it is. Lift up your eyes from the place where you are. She had heard about the miracles that happened around Jesus. The amazing healings that would take place wherever Jesus went. And she began to, 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 to say something. She began to declare something with her mouth. She said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. If I can touch just his clothes, I will be healed. What is she doing? She is throwing off her previous internal reality... She began to throw off that grow worse mentality. She began to see herself healed when she touched his clothes. I said she began to see herself in her imagination healed when she touched his clothes. Now, who knows how many times she said that or how many times she imagined that but the day came, and she pressed through the crowd, and she touched his garment. Now, think about that. You know, when I say something, I have a hard time saying something without it, it triggering something in my imagination. You know, words paint pictures. And when we declare something... If I said, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. See, in my imagination, I'm imagining finding Jesus and touching the hem of his garment and being healed. See, a, a sanctified imagination yielded to the kingdom is a powerful thing. 
35 years ago, I was doing a, a Bible study in Dayton. There, there were a number of people from Dayton that were coming to our church in Walla Walla, and so we just decided we'd do a Bible study for them every week, and, and it was in, in a, a home, yeah, and sometimes it shifted to a different home, but I, I'm driving there, and, and the Lord began to talk to me, and he said, I'm going to heal people tonight, and I thought, great, I love healing. You know, I believed in healing pretty much all my Christian life. Shortly after I got saved, my parents took me to see Catherine Coleman. And that, that, that ruined me. It ruined me. I couldn't settle for mediocre Christianity after that. I saw a guy that was in a wheelchair, and you know, some people that are in wheelchairs, their legs look normal, and, and some people, it's like their legs atrophy, like, like he looked like he had toothpick legs. I mean, it was just, and he jumps out of his wheelchair, and he starts running around, and I'm thinking, God, don't let the toothpicks break, you know, and, and, and his wife, you know, you know, just comes, and, and tears are running down her, her face, and her, the son, you know, he comes to his dad, and his dad picks him up. You know, he, he had a dad that, that loved him and, and tried to do things with him, but there were some things that that dad couldn't do with that kid because he was in a wheelchair. And his dad picks him up and holds him, and, and, and Catherine says, well, what do you think about Jesus to this boy? And he said, I just love him. And I saw a number of things like that happen. And, and one of the most astounding miracles to me, you wouldn't necessarily think was a major miracle, at least not like somebody jumping out of a wheelchair. My dad, when he was five or six years old, my dad was left-handed. And for some reason, back then, they didn't recognize people as left-handed. So they made him learn to write and everything right-handed, and during that time, Dad said, that's when I started stuttering. And I knew my dad as a stutterer. Like, he used to go to Toastmasters to, you know, practice talking in front of people, but I had heard my dad stutter a lot. So we're in this meeting. We, we, got, there early, we got there the night before, stayed in a hotel, got to this meeting early. It was in a huge church. And, and we're waiting in line. We have these little fold-out chairs while we're waiting in line. Well, I, my brother and I ended up not getting seats, but fortunately we had these little fold-out things that we could sit on in the aisle. And uh, somehow my dad ended up there, and Catherine is praying for him. Each time he prays for him, he falls down. And, and the third time she pulls him up, and she says, well, what's God doing? And, and, and he takes the mic. And he addresses 2,500 people and talked absolutely normal. And I don't know that I ever heard him stutter after that. And you might think, well, that's, that's nothing compared to climbing out of a wheelchair. But see, to me, that was something. That was significant because that was my dad, and I know that he had that problem, and now he doesn't. And so... Um, I don't know, I just came out of that, that time and I thought, I'm just going to pray for people 
I'm just going to pray for people until somebody gets healed. And that's kind of how it is. You know, you, you pray for people and all of a sudden somebody gets healed. And you get excited, you know, and you pray for a bunch of people. And, and as you're doing that, it seems like more and more people start getting healed. And so I had prayed for a lot of people and I'd seen some results. And I loved praying for, for sick people. And uh, so I felt the Lord was saying to me as I was going to Dayton, he reminded me of Romans chapter 10, verse 17, which says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I had been taught before that if you preach the word of God concerning salvation, people will have faith to be saved. If you preach the word of God concerning healing, people will have faith to be healed because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But during that drive to Dayton, he said it to me differently. He said, if you preach the word of God concerning salvation, the saving Jesus will show up at the meeting. If you preach the word of God concerning healing, the, sa the healing Jesus will show up at the meeting. Now, see, at this point in my Christian walk, I had seen a number of people healed as I prayed for them, but it was always one-on-one. -on -one. I would catch them before church, or I'd catch them after church, or I'd catch them at the store, you know, uh, but it was always one-on-one. -on -one. I had never done a healing service. I had never done it with a group of people, and it felt kind of risky. It felt unfamiliar. And, and I, I got to the home where we were having the Bible study and we had a time of praise and worship. And then I was obedient to the Lord and I started sharing the word concerning healing. And, and I preached it expecting the healing Jesus to show up, or at least I really, really hoped he would. Then I said, you have heard the word concerning healing. So I asked him, how many people here need healing tonight? Now, there were about 18 people, and about 12 of them raised their hand. Two-thirds of the people, and I thought, oh, my. Then I handed my guitar to somebody to, just to keep leading the people in worship. Now, my motivation was <laughs> I wanted people to be focused on the Lord, and, and I wanted to kind of go to this person one-on-one. -on -one. Do you understand what I'm saying? And uh, so I... I they're, they're leading, he's leading worship, and they're singing, and I go to this person, closest person, and I just say, what's the matter? Back, my back hurts. So I prayed for them, and, and God took the pain away. And, and I was a little bit excited. So I went to the next person, and I said, what, what's your, what do you need? And, and they told me what it was. I prayed for them, and they were healed. And I'm thinking, huh, huh. So I, I prayed for the third person, and God heals him, and I stopped the singing. I said, hey, God is healing people. <laughs> people are getting healed. And, and a faith just came on me. It was like, I don't know how to describe it other than and all, all my doubt was just supernaturally sucked out of me. I just knew that every person we prayed for would be healed, and they were. It was an amazing night. Now, I'm driving home, and I'm thinking in my youthful zeal, maybe actually my arrogance and my pride, my ministry is going to change now. 
Yes, sir. Things are going to be different now. Well, what I didn't realize was that a, a gift of faith had come on me. I was functioning in something that wasn't permanent. It, it was something, it wasn't something that I could control. So I got up the next morning and the gift of faith was gone. When I got out of my bed, it was just me. No supernatural faith. Now, now I had faith based on spending time in the word, and I had faith based on experience. You know, you pray for people enough and see him healed, you begin to have faith. It's kind of like, if I wasn't sure if this chair would support me, I might be getting on it kind of leery and, and sit down. But you know, after I've done that 10 or 15 times, I got faith. I, 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 don't, I don't even think about it. Because it, it's, it's working. It's happening. And see, the, the same is true about praying for the sick or praying for healing. As you begin to see people healed, your faith is growing. As you're spending time in the Word, your faith is growing. But that's not the same as the gift of faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? So here's what happened. One of the ladies that got healed that night had a deaf daughter. She wore these... This is probably 35 years ago. She had these huge hearing aid things that, that she had. And, and she wasn't at the meeting that night before. And so I was like the assistant pastor in the church. She called up the pastor of the church and said, I'm bringing my daughter to church on Sunday so that she can be healed. So he calls me up and asks me what happened the night before. And I, and I told him, he said, okay, you're praying for her on Sunday. I'm thinking, oh no, God, what have you done? I don't have this supernatural faith on me anymore. And so I began to imagine what Sunday was going to look like. I, I couldn't help but imagine it in my mind, and I, I was afraid that she wouldn't be healed. I was afraid that I would pray for her and nothing would happen and she would not be healed. And, and I, you know, I hadn't prayed for some people that hadn't been healed one-on-one. -on -one. What was I going to say when that happened in front of the whole church, in front of everybody? No wonder the senior pastor put it on me. And I felt the Lord say to me, why are you imagining failure? Why are you letting the, the few times that it didn't seem to work become your internal reality? Throw that off and let me give you a new internal reality. Let me give you a new mindset. And so I, I stopped that. I began to imagine praying for her and God healing her. And, and I, I played that over and over again in my mind just like the woman with the issue of blood did. In my imagination, I imagined her healed. It, it was fun. It was what I always dreamed of. I, I would pray for her. Then I would whisper her to her, can you hear me? And, and, and she would say, yes. And then I would step back a little bit farther, and I'd say, can you hear me? And she would say yes. And I would step back a little farther and, can you hear me? And she would say yes. Finally, I'd be about 30 feet from her, and I would say, can you hear me? And she would say yes. And when the Sunday came, 
it happened exactly like that. Like I had rehearsed my part so many times. I knew exactly what to do. And when I got back about 30 feet from her and said, can you hear me? And she said, yes. The whole church exploded into praise and worship and and clapping before the Lord and just honoring God for what he had just done. Back to the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years, she had gotten worse and worse. She had spent all that she had to still got worse. She could have easily kept a growing worse mentality where sickness was her internal reality. I can't see myself getting any better, only worse. That's, that's been my experience. But instead, she began to say, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. If I, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And while she's saying that, she's imagining it happen. And see, what she's doing is she's throwing off that grow worse mentality. She's she's beginning to paint a new internal reality. And then finally, she acts on those words. She presses through the crowd that day. She came up behind him and she touched the hem of his garment and it happened just as she imagined. Immediately she was healed and the flow of blood stopped. And you know the story. Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples say, what do you mean who touched you? The crowds are thronging you. Everybody's touching you. But, but, but somebody touched me in faith. I felt virtue flow from me. And the woman, realizing that she's being found out, falls down on her knees before Jesus And maybe she's expecting a rebuke. She kind of did sneak in to steal a healing. You know, maybe, who knows what she thought. But she falls on her knees before Jesus and says, Woman, great is your faith. Go your way. Awesome job. Way to go. Lift up your eyes now. And look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. That that is what I believe God is saying to me. And I believe he's saying it to us as a local church. Stop being captivated by the present. Lift up your eyes to see what I want to show you. Stop looking at where you are right now. You can't see what I want to show you there when you are captivated with the present. You begin to settle into a just-get-by place there. Lift up your eyes. See, remember, we are to walk by faith, not by sight. Don't be captivated by what you see. Don't be captivated by how things look right now. We are to see with eyes of faith. Faith sees beyond the natural sight. It sees beyond the current circumstance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith gives substance or reality to what is hoped for. Faith sees the desired result. 
Why are you imagining failure? Faith sees the promise of God fulfilled. It sees as reality what God has promised. In your notes, your internal reality is determined by what you focus on. If you focus on your present circumstance, that will become your internal reality. But if you focus on the promises of God, that will become, they will become your internal reality. I could get excited. In Mark chapter 10 is the story of blind Bartimaeus. He was sitting at the roadside begging, like he always did. But all of a sudden, he heard that Jesus was passing by. And he immediately began to lift up his voice and cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, many people around him warned him and, and, and said, be quiet. Don't trouble the master. But he just got louder. He didn't receive that. And so even louder, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on him, on me. And so Jesus stopped and told Bartimaeus to come to him. Then the people that were around him totally changed their tune and said, be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. But see, what happened next is very significant. Imagine being a blind beggar. You don't know any other way of living. Now we're talking about lifting up your eyes from the place where you are. We are talking about not being captivated by the present. Being able to see beyond the present. Beggars in, in this day wore a special garment that authorized them to be a beggar. It was, it was kind of like their license to beg. But see, when, when Bartimaeus realized that Jesus was calling for him, he threw off his beggar's garment, got up, and came to Jesus. Why is that so significant? In your notes, he threw off his old identity. He threw off his present circumstance. He was actually cutting ties with the past and the present in order to step into and embrace his future. He made no provision for the flesh to fall back on. Like, I'm never, ever going back to this. And he stepped into God's purpose for him. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Rabboni, that, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. He received his sight, and imagine a whole new season of life began for him. As he was throwing off the old to embrace the new. Lift up your eyes now from the place where you are. 
stop looking at, at current circumstances. It speaks to us prophetically of the promises of God, the promises that God has given us. The New Testament is filled with amazing promises. It's a better covenant established on better promises. Those promises are your promised land. Are you willing to behold them and to begin to take possession of them? All the land which you see, all the land which you see I give to you. But you need to see it. If you can see it, you can take it. But you've got to see it. Now, there will be a warfare involved in this. There was a warfare involved in Israel taking their promised land. They had to fight to take possession of it, but God was with them and gave them the victory. Listen to me. The enemy does not want you to see what God wants to show you. He, want, he does not want you to receive God's vision. He wants you to stay occupied with the present. He wants you to be in survival mode where you don't really have much hope for the future, where you're just trying to stay alive. He wants to keep you immobilized, incapacitated with the present. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. But you've got to see it to be able to step into it. God wants you to see it clearly. Seeing it is, is what enables you to step into it. I give to you and your descendants forever. Your descendants. Listen to me. What, what God wants to give you will not just affect you, but it will affect your whole family. It will affect generations. You are fighting for generations. You are fighting for your children's children. You are fighting to leave them a godly heritage. You are hanging on to the promises of, of God, not just for you, but for them. The greatest inheritance that you can give your children is a life lived in faith and walked out in faith laying hold of the promises of God, to be the one who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, verse 16, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also could be numbered. Now when God said this, Abraham didn't have any children. Ninguno. So if you don't feel as fruitful as you want to be, if you feel disappointed with the present, I just want to say, don't feel bad. God is talking to a man here who is disappointed with the present. God is talking to this childless man, this man whose wife is beyond the age of childbearing, that his descendants would cover the earth. That he would have to lift up his eyes to see it. He would have to not look at the present, 
to not look at his barrenness, to, to, to look beyond, to see what God was calling him to. We look not at those things which are seen, but at those things which are unseen. For those things which are seen are temporal, temporary. But those things which are unseen are eternal. Our focus is not in, in what's the way things are right now. We, we've got promises that God has given us, exceedingly great and precious promises that, that he's given us to envision us to step into our promised land. I will make your descendants, Abram, as numerous as the dust of the earth. See, see God is a God of increase. He says, you're, you're going to have so many descendants that they can't be numbered like the dust of the earth. I'm going to give you all the land that you can see. Just lift up your eyes and be, behold it. And your descendants are going to be so numerous that if you could count the dust of the earth, you could count your descendants. God is a God of increase, favor, blessing, fruitfulness. But, but you don't understand. I, I want to increase. I just haven't. Or we, we want to grow. We just haven't. No, no, you don't understand. Abraham had no children. He wanted to have children, but didn't. But that was about to change. His barrenness was about to change. Abraham, lift up your eyes so I can show you what I want you to see. He wanted to have children. See, God turned barrenness into fruitfulness. I don't know about you, I've had seasons in my life where I just have felt so barren, so barren. And, and when, I, when, I, when I found myself in that place, I realized, you know, I, verses of scripture that come to me where Jesus will say, well, you know, uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I thought, oh, okay, now I need to get, 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 into the, get into the place where I'm abiding in the vine. Because that's where fruitfulness comes from. And as I spend time in my relationship with him, he leads me into promise after promise in his word and begins to enlarge my vision and, and allow me to see beyond this, this natural realm. God wants to bring increase into our lives. He's always taking us forward. It's about reaching. It's about multiplying. It's about reaching the lost. He cares about the, the people of this city. He cares about your, your family members that are not saved yet. He is, he is interested in a harvest of souls. The glorious grace that he has brought us into, he wants us to share it with others. Now, verse 17 is the last verse here. Are you guys doing okay? I was really hoping you'd say that. Verse 17, arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Lift up your eyes. I, I want to show you some things, and once you see them, then get up 
from the place where you are. First you have to look up from the place where you are to behold. Then you get up from the place where you are and you begin to walk into the promises that God has given you. You begin to take possession of them. They are yours, so act like it. God is the one giving them to you. He is the author of the promise. He is the author of the vision. He is telling Abraham, I'm giving you this land. First, you need to see it. But when you see it, get up and start acting like it's yours. Start walking around like it belongs to you. Start walking its length and its breadth and its depth. I've given it to you. Take possession of it. We must lift up our eyes to see what God wants to show us. See, that the enemy would love to keep you captivated in the present. He would love to keep us living in survival mode, just trying to maintain what we have instead of going for what God wants to give us. God wants to give us vision. We have to see something before we can take possession of it. Behold the land. And then it becomes an internal reality inside of us. And it begins to change our external reality. It begins to affect the things that are happening around us. You've heard me say it before, but your internal reality will become your external reality. And see, as we let God's word begin to paint the pictures of our internal reality, as we let the word of God paint pictures on the canvas of our heart that come from the word of God, then it, it positions us to step into the things that God has for us. God's vision is always increase. You know, uh, there's a prayer that God says he really likes. And it's called the prayer of Jabez. How many are familiar with that? And in that prayer he says, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Bless me by enlarging my territory. Increase. If you are willing to see what God wants to show you, he will give it to you. You can begin to take possession. Arise. Walk in the land through its length and its width, for I have given it to you. Once we clearly see it, then we can begin to take possession of it, to walk its length and its breadth. Now that you can see it, you can begin to step into it. I'm speaking to individuals here today and that might be watching that feel stuck that somehow the enemy has trapped you in the present and taken away your hope for the future. But see, God is coming to break your captivity. I'm speaking to us corporately as a church that when we lift our eyes to see what God wants to show us, all things become possible because of who we serve. It's time to begin to dream with the Holy Spirit. There are ministries that God has or will place in your heart that he wants birthed in this house. Begin to dream in the Holy Spirit. 
Lift up your eyes from the place where you are. Let, let him show you what he has for you. Worship team, please come. Could we stand? I really believe that God wants to break some things off of people's lives today. And see, we can, we can develop, call them mindsets. The Bible calls them strongholds. Things that are contrary to the knowledge of God. We can develop mindsets that, that are contrary to the kingdom. In fact, they, they keep you from kingdom thinking. And, and I, I believe that God wants to, first of all, he exposes it to us. And we realize, how many of you know that when you read your Bible and you read something that challenges a way you have of thinking, you have a choice. I can hang on to what I think and reject what the Bible says, or I can let go of what I think and embrace what God is saying. I believe that God orchestrated our time together this morning. And if you have felt stuck, if you can't seem to see beyond where you are right now, Jesus is the one who sets captives free. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Experience the transformation of a renewed mind so that you can step into the perfect, God's perfect will for your life. Just pray this prayer with me, Lord. Help me to lift my eyes from the place where I am. Let me see what you want to show me. Holy Spirit, I want to dream with you. Give me your vision for my life. Help us as a church to fully embrace your vision for us. We position ourselves to receive your strategy for this valley. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I just want to declare some things. Just put yourself in receive mode. I break a survival mentality off of everyone here and everyone that will watch this in Jesus' name. I break, I cancel every assignment of the enemy off of you in Jesus' name. I break strongholds that have formed in this season off of you in Jesus' name. I call you out of your rut in the name of Jesus. I call you into God's divine purpose for your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So be it. Let's worship. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
share a secret with you. Sometimes when, when you're focused on the things that are happening around you and, and that's captivating your attention and you're trying to lift up your eyes, you're trying to see beyond it, lift up your eyes all the way to Him and worship Him and praise Him. And then you'll actually begin to see from heaven's perspective and that's what you want to see. You want to see what God is up to, what God has planned, what God is doing. Just turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of the world will go grow strangely dim. I know that may sound familiar. <laughs> it, it is so true. It's so true. Thank you, Lord. I want to invite prayer teams to come up and be available. And if, if you guys aren't able to do that because of time restraints. Are you okay? Okay. Um, yes, yes. In fact, why don't you lead us in? Uh, we would like corporate prayer um, for a family member, uh, Shirtail family out there. Uh, she had a baby two months early. Her spleen burst and lost her kidney and she's in very bad condition so um, I would just like you to agree with me in prayer for salvation yeah. for healing and restoration yes. Father in Jesus name we thank you that nothing's impossible to you and we look to you Father to glorify yourself in this mm -hmm. situation in numerous ways. Yes, Jesus. We thank you, Father, that nothing is going to come discourage or no words, no words that are against your words. So we agree with your words over this mm -hmm. child, over her mama. And the outcome is going to be so great. I'm excited, Father. The enemy doesn't win in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 
The benediction I want to give you today is found in Galatians 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God, of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Have a great week, saints. Remember, lift your eyes from the place where you are.